God has an awesome plan for the church. And if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you're part of the church. And as this, just like this song says, we were, it's for his glory. And, and God has predestined us to bring him glory in this earth. And the good news about it is, is we don't have to be conformed to the ways of the world. This church doesn't have to be conformed to the ways of the world. We don't have to just do the religious routine every Sunday. He wants so much more than this. He wants our lives to be, bring him glory. And I have to ask myself, Chad, last week, did, you, did your life bring glory to God? Did people see the glory of God, the goodness of God, the power, the resurrection power of God in your life last week? And i got to ask it for this church corporately. Is this church bringing glory to God in Vassar and the surrounding areas? There's so much more, but it's so easy just to go into the flow of the world. It's so easy just to float downstream. It's just so so easy, and and, uh, it's easy to fall in that. But through God's grace and his mercy... In the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to become everything that he's called us to be. Amen? Amen. So Ephesians. We are plugging along in Ephesians. We're in chapter 1 still. But and we've been going pretty, pretty slow in it. And the thing of it is, is that the book of Ephesians is so rich. The book of Ephesians really, really is a manual to the maturing in Christ Jesus. It, it touches every aspect of our life. And as we discuss, the first three chapters are positional truth of who we are in Christ, what God has done in Christ, how God has revealed this to the church through the Holy Spirit. And these first three chapters are very, very important. See, we... Contemporary churches like to really talk about application. How, how do I, you know, I want to hear about how I have a good marriage. I want to hear about how I raise my kids. I want to hear how I deal with that coworker at work that's a real dink. I don't know if that's a good word to say, but, you know, you know how, how do I deal with these things? How do I, how do I deal with, with addictions and, and problems in my life that I don't like? But the truth of the matter is, is if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, if you haven't renewed your mind to who you are, all of that will just become works for you. You're going to try it and fail. You're going to try it and fail. You're going to try it and fail. Christianity is a supernatural way of living. We have to live from the inside out. We live from the inside out. And if you haven't renewed your mind, if you don't know of this power, this resurrection power, we haven't got to that yet, but that, this resurrection power that lives inside of you. And learn how to walk in that. You know, we got those refrigerator scriptures that we throw up. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Right? We, we've got those on our refrigerators. But we don't know how to walk them out. This, those plans that God has for us, this is what we're looking at. Verses 3 through 14 are all the plans of God. The plans of God for you. Verses 3 through 14 is the divine plan for humanity that God predetermined before the foundation of the cosmos. 
And we've seen how this predetermined plan was determined before the foundation of the cosmos so you'd had no part to play in it. Because a plan is only as strong as the weakest link. And the, weak, the links in this plan was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that is why God, uh, Jesus Christ, God the Son, became a man. So that we could be brought into that plan. But us bringing, being brought into that plan doesn't weaken the chain because it was predestined before the foundation of earth that all the blessings, all the promises goes into one man, Jesus Christ. Just as all men were in Adam, now all men are in Christ Jesus. And that was God's plan from the very beginning, from the foundation of the earth. And today we're going to look at wisdom. We're going to look at having good sense that God has given us wisdom. See, the thing about God, and we're going to talk about this, the thing about God is he doesn't do things. He doesn't give you things and then say, okay, go try to figure it out for yourself. No, he promises that this is my plan for you, and I will give you the wisdom to understand my plan and, and walk it out. So in verse chapter, or chapter 1, verses 3 through 16, this is all one sentence. This is all one plan in the mind of God. This is just God spewing forth his plan through the Holy Spirit and Paul writing it down. It says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I don't want to stop as we go through this because I don't want to go long. But after studying these out, I mean, that should just get you excited. Has blessed. It's done. It's already been done. I mean, that should make, make you dance when you understand that God not only, only blessed you when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, but that he actually blessed you from the foundations of the earth. In the mind of God, you were already blessed. You were blessed before you, you knew it. Jesus Christ just made the will of God possible to men. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, 
after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. So last week we looked at verses 5 through 7. And we've seen that it declared that God chose to embrace us out of his love and good pleasure. I mean, that's something that all of us really need to grab hold of, to understand. That God saved us, God chose us, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He did it out of love. God is, everything that God has ever done for humanity was motivated out of love. Sounds familiar. I think maybe someone preached a whole series on, on that. But it was out of his love. God is love. And it's out of good pleasure. God took pleasure. And when we screw, screwed everything up, he took pleasure in redeeming man and, and wooing humanity back to himself. And then we've seen that it was by the riches, the riches, the superabundance. God is filthy, rich with grace. He's filthy rich with grace. You can never get to the end of his grace. Amen. And today, picking up at, on verse 8, but we're going to look at verse 7 because all these things connect together. Um, in verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption. That means that we have been purchased out of slavery. We have been purchased out. We have been bought with a price. And I said this last week, if you want to be a Christian, you have to accept God owning you. God owns you. You were bought with a price. You were, see, that's the problem with humanity, is they think that they're their own man. They think they're their own woman. They think they live by their own rules. No. No, they're conformed. You're either conformed to the ways of the world, you're either conformed to the kingdom of darkness, or you're being transformed into the image of Jesus. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're the kingdom of light. There is no kingdom of me. There is no such thing of it. It's a lie. And it was according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Which. That word which is, is, is connecting, connecting verse 8 with verse 7. And there's all different types of definitions of grace, right? We hear the definitions like grace is God's unmerited favor, or the blessing of the Lord, or God's riches at Christ's expense. But really, right here is probably the best visual, the best definition you could ever have of grace. He, which, which, which is connecting it with grace, he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Grace is God abounding towards you. Grace is God abounding towards you. God abounding towards humanity. And all we simply do is receive it. Imagine. Imagine God running towards you. Imagine God abounding towards you. And everything that's in him. 
everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that you need for your natural or spiritual existence in this life and all eternity being delivered to you by God the Father. God's unmerited favor, everything that God is, is abounding, abounding. Don't you love the words? The word picture? I mean, just picture God the Father, just with everything that you ever need, everything that you ever need in this life and the life to come that was pre-planned for you, an inheritance that we were predestined to receive way back before the cosmos was ever created, it's all coming to you through Christ Jesus. That's just an awesome, awesome word picture. Not only does he give us the ability to flow in the Spirit and heavenly blessings, but he also has given us the wisdom and prudence to use it. See, we're supposed to walk these things out in the Spirit. All these blessings, all these promises of God are ours in the Spirit, right? We've been learning that in the Karis groups, that in your Spirit is all, are all these blessings. And we have to learn to, how to walk these out, how to, how to grab hold of these for ourselves in our own life. In verses 8, it says, Which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. With all wisdom and prudence. Having God's blessing on your life is no good to you if you don't have wisdom and prudence. You understand that? If you don't have the wisdom to use or the good sense to use God's blessing, it's no good to you, right? A lot of us have vehicles, we have cars, and the car has little gadgets in it that we have no idea how to use. Some of these new ones, right? Your phone can do things that you have no idea how to do. Computers. I know my computer can do this, but I have no... It's getting to the point now, TVs... TVs can do things that you don't even know what they can do anymore. Right? Why? Because you don't have the wisdom. Right? I know that the guy told me it could do this. I have no idea how to do it. You have the knowledge. You have the knowledge that the computer can do this. You have the knowledge that the car is supposed to tell me how to get from point A to point B or teach me how to parallel park all by itself, but I have no clue how to do it. I have the knowledge that my phone is supposed to be able to um, tell me I can talk to my phone and it tells me the destination of something or math equations or how to spell something or whatever it might be. But I'm not sure how it works. I don't know how to use it. See, we have a knowledge, but if you don't have the wisdom and the good sense how to use that knowledge, it's useless. It's useless. Both of these attributes of wisdom and prudence comes from a word-filled life in a spirit-filled life. The Word is the knowledge of God. And the Spirit is what teaches us, is the wisdom of God towards us how to use that. You understand that? You know, someone that, that isn't constant, doesn't have wisdom, they're always changing. God's telling me to do this. And next week, oh, God's telling me to do this. And next week, oh, now God wants me to do this. Man, God needs to make up his mind. He needs... He's a schizophrenic. He's just all over the place. How can you keep up with him? There's no wisdom in it. They're just all over the place. Right? And that's why we, as, as a church as a whole, we have to use wisdom. You know, we don't change things. We don't do things. We don't go in a different direction just on a whim. But we have to have wisdom and prudence, good sense on what God wants us to do. And that's the same thing with our life. The same thing with our life. 
Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. This is important to you guys because this is how you walk out the truths of God in your life. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Knowledge is the input. Wisdom is the output. Knowledge is being a hearer of the word. Wisdom is being a doer of the word. And how many times did Jesus criticize criticize the, the uh, Pharisees? For you, you look at the scriptures, you know the scriptures better than anyone. And you can't see that they point to me. And you want to kill me. See, knowledge without wisdom can be very dangerous. Anybody meet somebody that has a lot of knowledge? I mean, you know those guys. They, they know everything, but they're worthless. They're no good. They don't do anything. They can tell you all about things. They can tell you everything that they know, but there is no action to what they do. And that's kind of the worst, the worst kind of people. You know, I, I remember when... Uh, the airplane was invented by the Wright brothers. They had all these people. They had a lot, a lot of knowledge that showed up and says, you can't do this, that won't work. But they weren't doing anything. And they did something, and with the wisdom of God, they were able to make man fly. See, without wisdom, knowledge is useless. Without wisdom, knowledge is useless. That's why Proverbs is the, called the book of wisdom. Of wisdom. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does it say here God does? What does God do in this? Nothing. You be diligent to present yourself approved of God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God doesn't do anything in that. God's not going to make you be diligent in the word of truth. He's not going to make you do this. Look how the Amplified Version puts it. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. God expects you to do this. This is not something God does for you. It does, you God can't make you open up the Bible and read his word. God can't make you turn off the TV and listen to a teaching God can't make you turn the channel to a good teacher on TV. God can't do that for you. It's up to you to seek the knowledge of God in your life. To seek the knowledge of God in your life. His part is to give us wisdom how to walk out the word that we've already planted in our hearts. That's God's part. God's part is he promises that when you sow the word in your heart, he will produce the harvest. He will be, cause it to become fruitful in your life. Amen? Amen. Yeah. James chapter 1, 5 through 8. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, I love those words, liberally, all, without reproach. That means he's not going to make fun of you. And it will be given to him. 
But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It does not say if anyone lacks knowledge, does it? Remember, knowledge is the input. It's up to you to put the input, the knowledge, have the knowledge in you. It says if any man lacks wisdom. Wisdom is taking knowledge, taking information and applying it to your life and seeing your life change. It's up to us to receive the knowledge. And God has so graciously given it to us. But God promises that if you lack wisdom in how to apply that knowledge to your life, he promises you that he will give you wisdom to walk it out. And notice what it says here. He says, but let him ask in faith, not doubting. How can you know that you're in faith? How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ, right? What's the word of God say? That's your knowledge. That's your basis for knowledge. This is what the Word of God says. I'm standing on this. I'm not going to be a double-minded man. So what's, what's, what's a double-minded man? A double-minded man is someone that I know the Word of God says this, but this is what the world says. I know that the Word of God says this, but man, this is how I feel. I know the Word of God says this, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't see how it's possible for it to work. I know the Word of God says this, but this is what the doctor says. I know the Word of God says, says about this, but, you know, my wife, my husband, you know, they say it's over. That's a double-minded man. That's, that's torment. That's a, that's a place for condemnation. The Word of God needs to be our foundation. It needs to be our anchor in the storms of life. And God promises that when you stand on knowledge of the word of God, he will give you the wisdom to have success in those storms of life. For anything that you come up against, he will give you the wisdom to succeed in life. That's a promise of God. You got his word on it. You got his word on it. Not only does God give us wisdom, but he also gives us prudence. That's not a word that we use very much. Prudence means good sense. Christians should make more sense than anyone in the world. If, you're no, if you don't make sense, if you can't be just have common sense, it's not of God. If, it's, if all you're teaching or when you're talking to someone about Jesus and it's all like, they, they look at you and say, what are you talking about? I have no idea. You're just out there. Or this is so deep, who can understand it? That's not of God. We should have good sense, common sense. But unfortunately, in this world, common sense is far too uncommon. You know, when there's issues in life, your coworkers should come to you because you just have the simple answer every single time for what's going on in their life. Most of the problems in life are just a simple answer. They're not, they're not always an easy answer, but they're a simple answer. We don't have to come up with huge formulas or schemes of men to get through life. We can just use standard common sense, and God has given it to us. We should be the one that everyone comes to for answers for life's problems. But unfortunately, they don't, because we try to get super spiritual 
We just need good old-fashioned common sense, and God has given it to you. It's abounding towards you. In verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Having made known to us. In the Greek, it's like saying, having already made known. So verse 9 is talking about it came before verse 8. This took place before verse 8. God shared this mystery and then gave us wisdom and good sense how to live it out. You understand that? God made known to you the mystery in Christ Jesus and then gave you the wisdom and good sense how to walk it out. God would not give you something and with, without giving you the, the instructions or the common sense, the information, how to walk it out. So what's the mystery? We're going to talk about that later on. Not today, but down the road. But just a simple answer is the mystery is humanity being brought back into God through Christ Jesus and everything that, that pertains to that. All the blessings, all the promises, all the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, that is the mystery. And he's made it known to us. See, in the Old Testament, they had no clue how God was going to do this. They were looking through a glass dimly. They, were, they, they had these prophecies and, and this one that was supposed to come, this Messiah, all these things, but they had no idea what it meant. I mean, even Jesus' own disciples had really didn't understand until Pentecost what Jesus actually came to do. They thought he was coming to set up an earthly kingdom, and one day he will. They thought that he was coming to, to deliver the Jews out of the Roman bondage, and that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to deliver humanity out of the bondage and the slavery of sin and death, to destroy death and sin. And to answer the promise, to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham, that in Abraham, in him, all the nations of the world would be blessed. He fulfilled that. That's that mystery. That's the mystery that we now understand. That's the mystery that we now get to walk out. In verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Dispensation, another word that you probably use every day, don't you? A dispensation means a period of time. A period of time. And many Bible scholars um, believe that there's actually seven dispensations mentioned in the Bible. There's seven periods of time for man. The first dispensation is called the dispensation of innocence. That was a period of time that took place from the creation of man to the fall of man, when man was innocent before God. That was a period of time. We really don't know how long that was. We don't know how many years it was. In the Bible, it's only a couple chapters, Right? Verse 2, or chapter 2, and then verse 3, they fell. But we really don't know the, the, the span of time. It says that, that God planted a garden, right? And when you plant a garden, he didn't create a garden, he planted a garden. And we know that fruit trees today take at least seven years to produce fruit. And Adam and Eve were in the garden, and there was fruit on the trees. So it could have been seven years. Who knows? 
We don't know what that length of time was, right? But there was a time of innocence where God, where God walked and talked with man unhindered by sin. That, that, and that's gonna, the way it's going to be one day again. And then you had the dispensation of conscience. And that is the, the, that's the fall to Noah. That's the fall to Noah. That's where man, man did what was right in their own eyes. They did whatever the, their conscience told them. And, and as men did more and more evil, their conscience was seared more and more. They got harder and harder into the point where there was only eight righteous, eight, eight, eight left, eight left. That there was getting to the point where there, there was no there was no root. There was no way for the Messiah, the, the God's plan to happen. And God destroyed the earth, cut out the cancer, and started over again. It got to the point where the Bible actually says that God was grieved that he ever made man. Man. You know, I wonder if he was grieved because of what men were doing. Or I wonder if he was grieved because of what he had to do because of what men were doing. He never planned to destroy man. He, it was one of the plan to destroy man. And then we have the dispensation, a period of time of human government. And we see that right away after, after the flood of Noah. It's, it's Noah to Abraham, you know, the Tower of Babel. And men were going to become, make sure that God couldn't, couldn't destroy their lives anymore. They were going to build a tower that went up to the heavens and all of this, and men started building cities. That's where cities start, first started, and uh, it was a time of human government. And then there, the dispensation of promise, that was from Abraham to Moses. That's where God was working through the promise that he made to Abraham and all his descendants forward. And then we have the dispensation of law. That was what a lot of people think we're still in, <laughs> but we're not. The dispensation of law, that was from um, from Abraham, or the end of Abraham, Jacob dying, that was from Moses to Jesus, was the dispensation of law. And the dispensation of law was not to point out the character of God. The dispensation of law was to point out the character of man, the heart of man. And then we have the dispensation of grace, hallelujah, that's what we're in. We're in that abounding grace of God towards, uh, towards humanity. And that was from Jesus Christ to the millennia. From Jesus Christ to the millennia. And then the seventh dispensation is the dispensation of divine government. And that's the millennial reign of Christ. The Bible talks about how Jesus will come down and set up a literal kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. And Satan and all the demonic forces will be bound for a thousand years. And humanity and mankind will know what it's like to be ruled under the lordship of Jesus Christ for a thousand years. And after those thousand years, it says that the beast, Satan, will be loosed again. And actually people, after being under the lordship of Jesus Christ, people will go and choose to live with Satan. And then that's the end. God says, this is the end. The, the beast and Satan is thrown into the, the uh, lake of fire and we enter into eternity with God. Enter into eternity with God. And do you realize that now we are kings and priests in the earth and during the millennial, you, us believers, will be rulers 
in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, teaching the people the ways of God, because people, it talks about people are going to have kids, all these things during the thousand-year reign. People will be growing in the Lord, and people will actually choose to go follow Satan instead of Jesus. It's crazy. Sin is, is, makes you crazy, insane. So this is awesome, and this is the plan of God. This is the plan of God. This is what God has been driving from the foundation of earth is for us to enter in into this awesome, awesome relationship with him. In Ephesians 1.10, it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in him. See, it's, it's in the dispensation to come. So that means that it's a, it's a period of time that's coming, and dispensation is singular there. So it's a single dis, dispensation. So if we're in the dispensation of grace right now, the church age, right? The time, a period of church, this dispensation to come is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, right? So in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, he's going to gather together all things in Christ. He's going to gather everything which is in heaven and everything that's in earth in him. Heaven and earth are going to become one. Heaven and earth are going to become one. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Do you know that? Hope you know that. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. We are not of the kingdom of darkness, but we are the kingdom of God's dear Son. Right now, we are warring in this fallen world. This world is fallen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we're in a fallen world, because of sin, because of the devil, because of your neighbor. that acts like the devil, right? Sometimes you act like the devil. You, you forget who you are. Right? And you cause issues in your life. That's why bad things happen to good people. Right? It's not because of God. We're, there's two kingdoms going on here. And, and what the good thing is, look what Jesus says there. What the good thing is, is one day these kingdoms will collide. They'll come together. What is a mystery to the world right now, the church in Christ Jesus, what is a mystery to them is going to be revealed. The kingdom of the Spirit is going to be revealed to the kingdom of this world. In John 17, 11 through 12, Jesus talks about how we are not of this world. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name. That word name there means authority. Because of what Jesus Christ did, God has authority to keep those that are his. He bought us, he purchased us, he redeemed us, right? I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your authority, through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. We're supposed to be one, just like God through the Spirit of God. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, in your authority. Those who you gave me, I, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He's talking about Judas there. But I come to you, and the, these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Look at that. God, Jesus was praying to the Father, and he wants the joy of Jesus Christ to be, be fulfilled in you. I have given them your word, hmm, the knowledge of God, and the wor world has hate them, because they are not of this world, 
just as I am not of this world. See, the world, see, this isn't, the world will hate you. If you stand for righteousness, if you stand for Jesus Christ, you know, you can, the world accepts religion. But if you mention the name of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. The world has no problem with religion. But they do have a problem with Jesus Christ. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Look at that. Jesus prayed that you should be kept from the evil one. Does Jesus' prayers get answered? God's will is for you to be kept from anything that Satan would have come against you. That no matter what your situation looks, you can look at this and say, you know what? Jesus prayed that I'm going to be kept from the evil one. And so I don't have to be double-minded. I don't have to be double-minded in this situation. I can stand on the promises of God. I can ask for the wisdom of God. I can walk in the prudence, the good sense of God. And I can walk out of any issue that anything, man or Satan, throws at me because the promise of God and the wisdom of God operating in my life. But that's not how we do it, do we? As soon as we get a problem, all of a sudden we get off the word of God and we get over here and go, what am I going to do? And then we look for all the different ways to answer it. And then finally, when nothing else works, we say, God, have mercy on me. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that they should be kept from the evil one. They are not of the world. You are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Just like Jesus Christ is not of this world, you are not of this world. You're aliens. You don't belong here. Why don't you sin? Why don't you do the things that everything the world does? Because that's not you. That's not of you. That's not your nature. Why do you show up at church? Because that's you. Why do you seek the things of God? Because that's you. Why do you fellowship? Why do you forgive those that have done you wrong? Because that's you. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? You're like him. That's awesome. And one day, right now, there's a separation. There's a separation, but God promises that one day the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth will become one. Do you realize that? You're not, when you, you're not going to live out eternity in heaven. The Bible does not teach that whatsoever. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to live out eternity in earth the way that God planned it from the very beginning. Heaven is in divine order, right? There's not chaos in heaven. God, Jesus is ruling pretty well in heaven. The earth... That's a completely different story. There's roars, rumors of wars. There's chaos. There's hunger. There's famine. There's hate. Jesus will rule and reign on earth as he ruled in heaven. Heaven and earth will function as one. That's what he's talking about in this dispensation to come. There's a period of time coming, and it's a dispensation that's that thousand years. It's an age that's a thousand years long. There's no, after that, there is no more dispensations because you enter into eternity. 
There is no time. That's hard for us to understand. There's no time. There's no, it's hard for us to understand eternal. It's hard to understand a universe that is never ending. How is that possible? Does the universe end? I don't know. If it does end, how does it end? Is there a wall? And if there's a wall, what's on the other side of that wall? You know, we, we just can't fathom that. We can't fathom the extravagance, the bigness of God. This dispensation, there's a time, there's a period that's coming. There's a time and period that's coming that Jesus Christ is going to rule this earth, and the earth and heaven will function, function at once, as one. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, fullness of times, this means everything that God has planned for humanity is coming to fruition, coming to the fullness. He's going to gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. And at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're either going to bow because you are willing are you going to bow because you're forced to? But Jesus Christ will be Lord of all. Jesus Christ will be Lord of all. Hallelujah. And I'm going to bow now. I'm going to bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ now. I'm not waiting until my knees buckle before him in, in the millennial reign. That he might gather together all in one in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. This has been the end result of God's pantheon plan throughout the, this, through the dispensation of the Old and New Testaments. This is the fruition. This is where God is taking us. God is taking us. This is the plan of God. So no matter what you're facing in this earth right now, God has a plan. And that plan is for us to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. The plan is for us to be entered into this dispensation of God's goodness and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and everything made right. Right? And then the fullness of times, the fullness of times, after the dispensation of the millennial reign, we enter into eternity. This has been the end result of God's plan. And we as kings and priests have an awesome inheritance. And that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. This awesome inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. That you are kings and priests. In this millennial reign, the church is going to play a huge part in the lordship of Jesus Christ in this earth. It's amazing to think about. It's not something that's talked about very much in, in churches. But we play a part. We play a part in this millennial reign of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. It's awesome. This is huge. This is huge. And, and if you're trying to figure out, you know, this is pretty cool, Chad, but how does this apply to my life? It applies to your life this way. It applies to your life that God has not only given you the promises, he hasn't only given you the word, but he's given you the wisdom and the good sense how to use the word. If you're willing to stand in it, if you're willing to trust him, when's the last time you had an issue in your life, a problem in your life, and you asked God for wisdom? How about when's the last time you had a problem in your life and you, the very first thing you did was ask God for wisdom? God will give you wisdom. We have, th we have things coming all the time in, in our own, own household. God's showing us things. God's showing us things to come. Chloe, she's having a conversation with somebody. I'm trying to say this in a way that I don't embarrass her. But, but uh, 
But anyways, she, th- she thinks that we don't know what she's talking about. And so I say, I know exactly what's going on. And she goes, what then? And I tell her. She goes, how'd you know that? And I said, because you have a parent that has the Holy Spirit. We, we have, Amanda has, has things that happen. Amanda had, the Holy Spirit spoke to Amanda, and, and she seen something that was going to happen that was going to really, um, could have embarrassed, embarrassed one of our kids. And she took the, she, she knew it was the Holy Spirit. She had wisdom in that. And she chose to do certain things. And it, I, I, again, I'm trying to not embarrass anybody. And when I, but it's so awesome. It's so awesome. She chose to believe what she's seen. And what happened, it happened exactly the way that she's seen it. And she saved our child from being embarrassed. That's how much God cares about you. That's how much God loves you. It's awesome. When she told me what happened, it just blew my mind. It's so awesome. God cares about you. God cares about you. God wants to give you wisdom and prudence to live your life. God wants you to be a peculiar people in this earth, strange, different than everybody else. And it's his plan from the foundation of the earth, and it brings him glory in the earth. And it's an amazing thing. And, we, and he has not left us out with, without hope. How, how this is applied to you? He hasn't left you without hope. There is a day that's coming. And you know what? The more and more I hear Christians talk about, well, they've been talking about end times forever. They've been talking about end times forever. It says that one of the, one of the things that are going to be a sign of the end times is people are going to say, where, where is this coming? You know, we've been talking about end times forever. You know, maybe this is just, maybe the church is just living out God's will on earth and we're going to be making all things new. No, Jesus Christ is coming back. And that's a promise. And things are happening in this earth. It says, when you see these things, look up for your redemption is nigh. Right? And something cool about those dispensations is in Peter, this is a bunch of stuff I wasn't, you thought you were getting out early, early, didn't you? And, and Peter talks about a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, right? We just looked at seven dispensations, didn't we? How long is a week? Seven days. God did things for six. On the seventh day, sun, Sunday, he rested from all his work. Jesus, the millennial reign, we rest in the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then the eighth day is eternity. No more days, no more time, nothing. And we are in the 6,000 year from the, bio, from Adam, from the creation of, of man to now. We are in the 6,000th 6, year. We could be entering into the seventh day anytime. That's amazing. That's awesome. Exciting, exactly. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a gracious God. We thank you that you're abounding towards us. You are running towards us, and in you is everything that's good. Everything that we need to live godly lives. Everything that we need to live victorious lives. You're abounding towards us. Holy Spirit, give us that vision of of God running after us, 
just abounding in fruitfulness, abounding in grace, abounding in mercy and love, abounding in answers and wisdom and prudence and everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Father, we thank you that you have not left us to our own devices. You have given us the knowledge of your word. You have given us your word. And we have planted your word into our hearts. And we thank you that through the planting of your word, you will produce a harvest, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. And Lord, we want that 100-fold return as we stand on your truth, as we stand, and we're not double-minded, but we're trusting what your word says and what your word says alone. And we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. He'll, he even will show us things to come. You will give us wisdom and good sense how to live life that we will be a success wherever we're, everywhere we go. And no matter what schemes of man, no matter what whales of the devil, we will succeed because you have kept us from the evil one. We thank you for your awesome plan, Lord. We thank you for the privilege, the privilege to be in this plan. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, as we look forward for you bringing all things in one, in Christ, all of heaven, all of earth, into one. And you rule and reign as the Lord of lords and King of kings. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.